It's always a um, great hymn, How Deep the Father Love for Us. And I couldn't think of a better song to go along with the message today on the Father love for his children. If you have a copy of God's Word, join with me. We're going to continue our study in Romans. Uh, we're going to be in Romans chapter 8 again. Today we're going to be covering verse 15 today. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. And give us a little context. Um, I will start with verse 12 and reading. And we were going, again, we'll be focusing on 15. So I'll, I'll go ahead and read from 12 to 17 to give us some context. And we'll focus on verse 15 here this morning. Uh, let me read for us. It says in God's word, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Amen. But if by the spirit, but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. 14. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and of children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Let's ask the Lord to help us uh, here and as we walk through and talk through verse 15. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you again, Lord, for this Lord's day. Lord, it's a, such a great privilege, Lord, we have on this day to be before you and with your people. So, Lord, we ask you to bless us this time, Lord, as we walk through your word. Give us your word. Give us truth, Lord. Give us everything that we need, Lord, in our Christian walk for us, Lord, to look more like you. So, Lord, we ask you to help us this morning. If our minds, Lord, are distracted, Lord, by so many things right now about our health, about our finances, if our minds are distracted by anything, Lord, this morning, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to take it away from us. Bring our hearts and our mind into together right now into you, Lord, that we can focus on you. We can glorify you. We can magnify your name this morning. So, Lord, let us not, Lord drown you out, Lord, by all the things we got going on. But Lord, let us come to you, submit it to you, to hear from you this morning. So help us, Lord, this morning, that we can hear you, Lord, through your word. And we can respond, Lord, this morning as we walk and live out our life according to your plan. And for those that are here, Lord, that are not here, uh, to worship you. And those that are here, Lord, that are not here, uh, depending on you, submitting to you, I pray that, Lord, today, Lord, you save many in this worship today. We pray that, Lord, you save many today. Lord, you turn many hearts of stone to heart of flesh. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to meet with the believers, but also meet with the lost so they can meet, so they can turn to you. So, bless the worship, bless the preaching. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. We have now been walking through Romans for a while. And we've been in Romans 8 now for several weeks. And now we know that Paul is in a pretty good rhythm now. How do we know he's in a rhythm? Look at verse 15. He starts out with the word for. The word for gives us a reason, right? I went to AutoZone for some oil. I did this for. For gives us the reason why everything Paul said it before this, right here in verse 14 and 15, Paul laid out so many things we won't be condemned. He talked about the spirit and the flesh. Then he goes and talking about for this reason, for this reason. He gives all these reasons why he's saying what he's saying. The reason why you're not in the flesh but in the spirit because you are, you are sons of God. 
you're not in slavery and in sin and in, in, in the flesh. He gives all these reasons. So Paul has a rhythm now for this, for this, for this, for this. Remind me of myself when I was a kid and I got in trouble. And my parents asked me, why did I do what I did? Why did I do that? Guess what I started doing? I started giving them all these reasons so I won't get in trouble. This is why I did it. This is why I did it. This is why I did this. I kept them for this reason, for this reason. I kept explaining, trying to explain. And 99% of the time, it didn't work. Well, Paul, in a very similar way, Paul does something very similar. For this, and for this, and for us as Christians, we can hold on to this. We can hold on to this. So Paul shared in Romans 8.1 that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Believers will not be condemned because of their struggles with sin. They are secured. So after hearing that you can sin and still be secured, many probably were confused by the nature of the church. You telling me I can sin and do whatever I want to do and I still can be secured. So some in the Roman church are like, Paul, what are you talking about here? What is happening here that I can live any type of way and I can still be secured? That is Paul, is he promoting that a person is, can still can live and continue enjoying sin and not be condemned? So Paul from 1B to 13 has been laying out who are the true ones that would not be condemned? Paul knew that many would misunderstand his words here. So Paul, he breaks and goes farther down, breaks down what he means by this. So he goes into detail about those that say they are believers but continue living in sin. Willfully. And for those that continually sin but is walking in repentance by the Spirit. What's the difference? One walking in unrepentance, enjoying their sin. One that have sinned, but walking in repentance and hate their sins. So before someone say, well, I'm saved in this room. I'm saved and I can live any type of way. Paul is like, hold your horses. Slow down with that. If you feel like you are saved and you live any type of way, Paul is like, hold your horses. Because if you can, if you feel like you can live any type of way and continue in sin, Paul has said, go back to Romans 8.1, that you will be condemned. Mm. That's good. You will be condemned. Well, today's text is not so much focused on those that will be condemned, which is walking in the flesh. Today's text focuses on encouraging those that are walking in the spirit. Those that love Jesus but continually fell, fall short, they are weeping over their sins. See that in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. They are seeking Christ's righteousness. They are wanting to be more like Jesus. These are the ones he is focusing on. They are the ones that have the spirit in them and they are the sons of God in verses, I mean, verse 14. So Paul today will continue encouraging them today in our text. How are we going to do it today? We're going to do it in two points. Two types of spirits. The first type of spirit is the spirit of slavery in 15.8. The second type of spirit is the spirit of adoption in 15b. So let's jump to the first type of spirit. The spirit of slavery in 15.8. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Paul starts here in 15 by making a comparison to verse 14. Last week in verse 14, he talked about the spirit of God. This wasn't just any type of spirit. In verse 14, he says spirit of God. If Paul would have just said spirit, right, it could have left him with the door wide open. 
But Paul goes in and let us know the spirit of God in verse 14. To let us know what spirit he's referring to. It's the spirit of God. He's the third person of the Trinity. He has always existed, what I mentioned last week, with the Son and the Father. The spirit is not a force. The Jehovah Witness, if y'all ever know any Jehovah Witness, a lot of them would say that the spirit is like, it's, uh, it's like a force. Or many other heretical groups try to describe the spirit like this power of force and not part of the Godhead. But this spirit referring to here in the text, this is not a force. This is the third person of the Godhead. The spirit is truly God. Not lesser than the Father, not lesser than the Son, but just as glorious as the Father and the Son. Amen. So the, those that are believers, right, are led by the Spirit of God, Amen. the one that is with the Father and the Son. Even though the Spirit has a different role than the Father and the Son, the Father is seen as the one that's administrating everything. The Son is the one that's seen as working things out for the Father. As the one to redeem the, to redeem the people for the Father. And the Spirit is the one to guide the people. And to and preserve the people and to keep the people. So within the triune God, because their roles are different, that don't mean one is less than another. It's still truly God. The Father, Son, and the Spirit. I mentioned this quote last week. One person says this. The gift of the Spirit is the crowning mercy of God in Christ Jesus. It was for this all the rest was. The incarnation and crucifixion. The resurrection and ascension. With all preparatory to Pentecost. Without the gift of the Holy Spirit, all the rest would be useless. The great thing in Christianity is the gift of the Spirit. Family. We get God. By giving God, Jesus giving us the Spirit of the Father, by the Spirit proceeding from the Father and the Son, and we get the Spirit, family, we get God in us. How great that is that God get to be with his people. And you guys remember in the Old Testament, to meet with God, yet the, high, uh, the holy high priest, we have to go into the rooms of the holy holy with a rope tied around his leg. leg. That if he come in in any way that's not honoring to the Lord, he can be put to death right there in that moment. The high priest would go before the people. Moses met with God. But now, family, you see what happened for believers? It talks about it, in, uh, I think, in, in Peter. The priesthood of believers. Now, for all of us that are believers in Christ, family, we don't have to go on top of a mountain. Well, we don't have to walk up to the temple mount. Family, the God of creation has sent the third person of the Trinity, which is God, to be with the people, to live within us, to dwell in us. So Paul is sharing with us, believers, you are led by the same God of creation. The same God that stopped the water during the time of the flood. The time of the exodus when the, when the Red Sea was so deep to swim across with a group of people, a whole nation of people to go across. We see something amazing happen. Our God split the Red Sea open and they walked on the dry land. Family, that's the God that we get as believers. That's the God that leads us. And that's what Paul is getting at here in our text. That the Spirit of God in verse 14 is the one that leads the people. But now in 15, Paul introduces us to another spirit. The Spirit of abundance. This is different from the Spirit of God. The Spirit of abundance can be translated as, in some version you might say, the Spirit of slavery. This prepositional phrase, right? Preposition of, about, around, and from. Preposition always come with an opposite, uh, opposite of, of preposition. 
No, opposite. I can see it. Object of preposition. That's what they're Object of preposition. Right? And, and it describes, they get more detail. Crescent went to the store. Okay, I went to the store. But by putting a preposition in a phrase, it helps us understand what store I went to. Crescent went to the store around the corner. Okay? Preposition of phrases, it gives us more detail. Crescent went down the street. And Crescent, they just say Crescent went. It could have been anywhere. Down the street. A preposition of phrase. Well, the Spirit of God, again, when we say of God, of God is actually a preposition of phrase telling what kind of spirit it is. But now it tells us right here what kind of this spirit is. The spirit of slavery. Of slavery. It described the spirit. So Paul is making a comparison here. We got to be careful on these different spirits here. We can't intertwine them together. While back I was working on our barbecue grill at the church. I was working on the grill. I got a little impatient. The drill, I think the grill needed a, a Phillips head to screw it out. It needed a Phillips head, but for me, I was impatient, so I went and got a flathead. I went and got a flathead trying to get the barbecue grill away uh, apart. And guess what I did to that screw? I stripped it. Right? I tried to bring them both and use both of them for the same purpose. And I messed it up. And I think if we be careful, we have a misunderstanding of God and misunderstanding of sin. We don't understand the different types of spirit. So today we see the spirit of slavery. Oxford Dictionary describes slave as a person who is forced to work for and obey another. And is considered to be their property as an enslaved person. But not only that, we know in scriptures to describe slavery. A slave is someone that must obey his master. A slave has no freedom. Hebrews 2.15, Galatians 3.8. A slave has no hope. We see in Galatians 5.1, no time to rest. John 8.35, a slave belongs to his master. Don't belong to himself, belongs to his master. At 16.16, a slave is exploited. But let me say something here. Even though we just described slavery as referring to people. But now in verse 15, it isn't talking about humans owning humans as slaves. The definition here is still the same in the way of whatever it is as a slave, it's subjected to, subjected to something. But now in this text right here, it's not talking about humans owning humans. This context here is that the human heart being the one that's oppressed and being in bondage to sin. Hmm. The great 16th century theologians, not the 20th century, but the, the, the 16th century Martin Luther, wrote a book called The Bondage of the Will. How the will for the unbelievers is to do the things that caters to sin. Sin is the master and it leads the unbelieving heart. The unbelieving heart do not want to flee sin. The unbelieving heart wants sin and it loves sin. You ask yourself the question in our society, why do our people in our community do the things they do? They are enslaved to it. Their heart wants the things of this world. Their heart or their hearts are, are, are enslaved to the things of this world. Sin is the master. It is happily a slave to sin, the unbelieving heart. So this form of slavery is not humans owning humans, 
but sin owning the unbelieving heart. The sin is the one that makes sure that the unbelieving heart has no freedom. So now compare a person being enslaved to another person. Now, see now, the human heart being enslaved to sin. Listen to what's happening in the human heart. And for the human heart, by being enslaved to sin, it follow out the false hopes. Right? False hopes. For the human heart to always belong to sin, it want to stay there and sin, the human heart. And for the human heart to continue to be exploited by sin. So Paul is saying for those that have a spirit of bondage, it's owned by sin. But they're blinded to see it though. People in our community that are smoking drugs, people that are committing adultery, people are doing these certain things around for them. They are owned by it. They enjoy obeying their master. That's why it tells us in Ephesians 2, they are dead in their trespasses. Again, I have done many funerals. I have never seen a dead person get up out of the casket and walk out. When somebody is dead, they're dead. In the same way here, someone that is dead in their sins, you can try to tell them what's right every single day. For them, they're going to manipulate it and make it about themselves and whatever the case may be. Their heart is hard. You cannot bring a dead man to life. If you can do it, why do we need a God? Only God can bring a dead person to life. Amen. So parents, you're, you're just asking a question. You tell asking your kids, why did you do that? Uh, why do you continue doing these certain things? For a child that is lost, for them, they enjoy doing those things. So Paul compares now the spirit of slavery. Sin has no limits. It would take you everywhere it wants you to go. There's no peace with sin. It gives you a temporary peace. You get the highest of the mountain. You made all the money in the world. And you're still not satisfied. You committed adultery. And you're still not satisfied. You got all the friends in the world. You're still not satisfied. You fought people. And you won many fights. And you're still not satisfied. Sin tell you though, go do this and you will be satisfied. And it lies to you because you do and you're still not happy. It's only temporary happiness. It's not joy. So the spirit of abundance is a false peace. It's a miserable peace. Because it's not everlasting peace. You're anxious every day because you are on you because you're hopeless. You're anxious every day. Well, can I do this to be accepted? What well, can I do this to be accepted? You do all of these certain things and you're still not satisfied. But the crazy thing about it, since you are enslaved to sin, guess what happens? You go try it again. You try it again to be happy by trying these worldly means to be happy. For those that are lost, you go and try it again and you're still not satisfied. You say, well, I'm going to try it this way. But what's a better chance? Let me try it this way. And they keep trying and there's still no happiness. That's what the spirit of bondage is. It's no happiness. It gives you enough to get in, to buy into it. And it fail you. 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 Children, listen. Adults, listen. For those that are following after the spirit of bondage, it will lead you right to hell. 
no peace. So don't think that I can find out some type of reason I can break the code. I can break the code that I can live according to the flesh and I can be enslaved to the flesh and I eventually get to the place I'll be happy forever. If you figured out that code, you're the first. Because no one ever before you ever figured that out. That they can live in sin and have some type of peace. Buddhism, Islam, all the other religions in this world, or not even just religion, all the other things, even games, all the other things that they thought you thought you can get peace from, how long did that peace last? It didn't last long because of false peace. What does this peace do? Or what does this false peace do? The spirit of bondage? It creates fear. It creates fear. It creates fear. I want to be accepted by friends. But I'm not accepted by everybody. I get, I get accepted by this one friend, but I'm not accepted by this one. This sense of fear lets us know over and over that somebody might not accept me. You're just walking in fear now. So the spirit of abundance creates this fear. Because now you know it, that this sin or, or whatever you're looking for in this world that would not satisfy is going to fear you. You know it. You go back out of it thinking there's some hope there, but it disappoints you. Again, that's why spirit of slavery produces fear. Your happiness will not be joyful. It will be temporary. This is the opposite of those that have the spirit of God. Listen to this in 2 Timothy 1.7. For God have not given us the spirit of fear. fear. But power and love and a sound mind. But it's a spirit of fear for those that are not believers. These are the ones that will be condemned. This is the heart of Romans 8, 7 through 8 we talked about. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile towards God. For it does not to submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So this first spirit of bondage is sin. These people will be condemned because they follow after the flesh and not the Lord. There's no peace in them. It's fear in them. Fear of anxious, anxiousness. I want more money. It's fearful that when I do make a lot of money, I'm still not going to be happy. Who want to live a life like this the rest of their life out of fear? Every day not knowing who's going to accept you. Every day knowing, not knowing all these things. It's a life of fear because of sin. That's who those are that have the spirit of slavery, the spirit of bondage in them. So Paul lets us know though that here it starts off for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. For us Christians, we didn't we don't receive the spirit of slavery. We don't, this is not us. We don't see receive the spirit of slavery and, and walking in life of fear of a man. That's not us. But what is us? Our last point. The second type of spirit, we have the spirit of adoption. We're going to do it in two sub-points. The first sub-point is here. We are forever sons of God. We are forever sons of God. But you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons. Paul shared the negative by sharing that those who are in the spirit of one will walk in worldly fear. God Ralph remain on them. So there's no peace for them. Their inheritance is their belly. But the spirit of believers 
for them is the spirit of adoption. This is not the third spirit. Paul is talking about it here in Romans 8. But the spirit of adoption goes along with the same spirit of God. The spirit of adoption is the benefit of having the spirit of God. One person said this. Believers are adopted sons. Not slaves. So they need not to be enslaved to sin or in fear. In New Testament times, adopted sons enjoy the same privilege as natural born sons. So instead of cowering and slave like fear, Christians can approach God in an intimate way, calling him Abba, Father. The person goes on to say, Abba is a Greek and English translation of the Aramaic word Father. Used everywhere else in the New Testament, Mark 14, 36, Galatians 4, 6. Beside being adopted into God's family as sons, believers also are his children. Check now, born ones. By the new birth, and the Holy Spirit who gives believers life testifies with their spirit, the fact of the new birth. So the first thing we see here, we are forever sons of God. We have been adopted. We have a new father. And not only that, Paul talks about here is that an only new father, that we get an inheritance like any other child. We're not some type of second thought process in this. There was a plan from eternity past, from redemption. That's why we call it the covenant of redemption. That God already knew in eternity that he was going to save a people and adopt them and bring them into his family. We were first sons of the flesh. We enjoyed our sinful desires. You remember when I just described the spirit of bondage? That's what we were at first. We were in the spirit of bondage. We were dead in our trespasses. We walked in fear. That's what us at first were, and before we became believers. We were enslaved to things in this world. But now we're sons of God. A person that adopted has changed parents. All the things that came with being a child of the parent in the past is obsolete. Everything with being in the flesh is obsolete now. But the thing that come with our new parents is now active. Before being adopted, we were all enslaved to sin. Our parent sinned, guided us, and we were happy to obey it. And there were many benefits in falling out the sin. Condemnation, God's wrath, rejection, no eternal life, no redemption, no sanctification, an earthly broken inheritance. That's what it was before we came to Christ. So when we're not believers, we had a miserable inheritance as sons and daughters of sin. But now we have been adopted. Here goes several verses on adoption for sons and daughters of Christ. You will hear that adopted sons, how they believe in Christ alone. They put their faith in Christ and not their works. They were redeemed from being under the law. Christ kept the law and fulfilled it for them. They have the spirit of his son in their heart. They are, an heir, they, are, they are heirs to God. They get everything Christ has. This talks about this unity in Christ. Everything Christ has, we have. Yeah. By the bride been married to the groom. Everything Christ has, we get. Because we have been adopted by Christ. If you don't believe me, listen to several verses here. John 1.12. But to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become sons of God. Sons of God, children of God. This wasn't just any words. We're truly sons of the God of the creation. Not only that. Galatians 4, 4. 
But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoptions as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying again, Abba, Father. He give us a, in a, in a, in, I don't know if they use it in Cross City, in, in, in Star City. The problem of you start a word, double whammy. A double whammy. He doesn't say Abba. Abba is Aramaic, right? A word. Father is the Greek word, Petros. Well, not Petros, uh, Petro or Petro. I agree with my brother. But you have two things here. He used the word Abba and he used the word Father. He lets them, he says it twice in two different languages to let them know that you are my sons. You're my children. For you're no longer a slave, but sons. And if you're a son, then an heir through God. This is his further encouragement. Paul talks about in Romans 8, 1. For there, there is now no combination for those who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. This is more confirmation of for those that are not being condemned. How can a true son of God be condemned? We will never be condemned because we're sons of God. Because we've been adopted by our God. Some of you all are still looking kind of hesitant here. Let me give you a couple more. Ephesians 1. Look at that verse 3. Blessed be the God and our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blamed before him in love. He, he predestined us from for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. What does adoption come from? It came from the purpose of his will. This comes out of the will, the essence of God. This comes out of God that for us to be adopted by him. He said, my God, the glorious God that created all things, this is part of his will that we be adopted in him. I have many plans in life. I want to build my wife a nice shower. I have many plans that my kids grow up and be do very well in life. They know the Lord at a young age. I have all these plans, right? And I'm thinking about these plans all the way until the Lord might take me one day. When he does take me one day, right? Say, Mike. I have these, all these plans. And I'm thinking about these plans every day. But think about God's plans. Think about what God is putting together. It's for us to be adopted. God's plan is for us to be adopted in him. This is part of his will for us to be adopted in him. We can't make God, we can't make plans for God. This is God's plan. His plan is for us to be adopted. And how does this happen? He talks about the redemption. If you finish on the reading, Ms. Kathy mentioned it this week about a reason in Ephesians 1. We go ahead and finish reading the rest of Ephesians from 3 to 10. You hear all these things how God brought about this adoption by forgiving us and giving us grace. Last verse I want to read here is Hebrews 10, 2, 10. For it is what's fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist and bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source that why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Family, for those that are adopted are not slaves anymore to sin. 
Now is where a slave can be redeemed. Now we are slaves to Christ. Dulas Christos. Now we are slaves to Christ. But Christ's slavery is different from the slavery, the bondage that produces fear. Christ's slavery brings about peace. It brings about hope. It brings about adoption. It brings about eternal life. Christ gives us all that he has. Christ's slavery is different from the slavery of sin. Christ's slavery doesn't lie to us. Christ's slavery doesn't trick us. Earthly fallen slavery, right, in this world is used to trick people, to enslave people, to not follow after Jesus. That's why earthly slavery, even earthly human slavery, was a fallen form of slavery. But Christ's redemptive slavery is a slavery of peace. For us to work for our master willfully and joyfully, gratefully, happily. That's what Christ does. That's what Christ does. And that's what we get of being enslaved to Christ. He treats us like sons and daughters. And he cares for us. As we end here, let me say one so, so point two, very short. We can, we can forever call upon God because he will forever be our father. By whom we cry out with father. By is another prepositional phrase. It gives us more details of the sons. It's more benefits in being adopted as sons. Not everyone gets the same benefit as being sons. One of the things is being able to cry out to our Father. Not just any believer, but for all believers. That's why it's plural. It said we cry. Paul includes himself into this. We cry, Abba, Father. Paul is saying this is his father as well. This is our father as well, that we get to cry to him. That's why David cried, cried to the Lord, and the Lord heard his cry. The Lord heard his plea. We can cry out to God as believers. And one thing about it, just like a new calf being born, making noises for the mother, a cow can be born, a cow. And the mother can hear that baby cry from anywhere. And that mother going to come there and be there by that, to that baby cow. And the same thing else by being sons and daughters, the Lord knows our voice. Every distinctive voice that cries out to him that are believers, the Lord hears our cries. So it's no fear. It's no fear. We can call out to our God, our Father. And that's what it tells in John 14. Before Jesus is about to get ready to go away, he tells his disciples. We always hear these verses at funerals. John 14, 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. The word trouble can also be the same word before boss. The same word that we get as, as afraid. The same word we get as is similar to the word fear. Let not your heart be afraid. It's not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I go to prepare a place for you? If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Drop down to verse 26. 
but the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all the things and bring your, your remembrance, all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. May peace I give to you. Now as the world gives to I give, give to you, give to you. Let not your heart be troubled again. He said it again twice. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be afraid. Let not your heart fear. Neither let them be afraid. And do not fear, he tells us. Also, in, uh, in Matthew 10, 28. Let not your heart fear those who kill the body, but not kill the soul. But fear him who can, can destroy both soul and body and hell. Mark 5, 36. Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. So family, as adopted kids, we can believe. We can trust the Lord. Let me end with a couple applications. Remember that you are not in bondage to sin. If you have some paper, phones, whatever, write this down. Remember you're not in bondage to sin. You don't have to work for sin. It's going to tell you to clock in every day to work. It's going to tell you you are employed to it. It's going to tell you that at the end of the year, I'm going to give you a W-2. You're not employed to sin. You do not work for sin. Sin is not your master as a believer. You can say, no, I'm not coming into work. You don't have to. You're free from it. You can say no to sin. No matter how much pressure it try to put on you. It's not just that bad. This one time. This one time, God will forgive you for it. Go ahead and do it. You don't have to. You can say no to sin. You're not because you're not in bondage to it. You're not enslaved to it. Second thing here. But remember, you are a slave to Christ. That you get to walk with a gentle master who gives life to us every day, every single day. Look how Christ deal with those around him. He dealt with them patiently. Look how Christ deal even in our day with a bad coworker. Look how Christ deal with a bad uh, a bad boss. Look how Christ deal with an unfaithful spouse. And we look to Christ and live like Him. Christ turned those things to make us more and more like Himself. A bad boss is exactly what we need at times for us to trust the Lord. Co-workers that make us uncomfortable. Those are things that we need at times for us to trust the Lord. Again, our God gives us what we need. So Christ, as we enslaved to Christ, the things that we consider as bad are the things that God uses to make us like him. Again, as we look to Christ, we live like him. And may the world around us be changed as they see us live like Christ. If you feel, if you feel lonely, if you're single in this room, you feel lonely, remember that Christ has adopted you forever. We are his children forever. Even as a married couple, we're still children and daughters of Christ. Remember, we get all we get to call him Abba Father. So, family, remember that you are in Christ. By being in Christ, He gives us all that we need. So, say yes to Christ and no to sin. Trust Him. But for those in here, as we end, those in here that are not believers, today is the day of salvation. It tells us in Hebrews. Turn in repentance today. Put your faith in Christ. For, for those that are here that's coming every Sunday and feeling like, well, this is the same message over and over again. Oh, he's talking about Jesus, talking about sin. Family, this is the best message you ever can hear. This is the best thing you ever can receive. Listen to these words today. That you have sinned against God. And there will be no sin that will get a pass. That God will punish sin. 
And for those that still have their sins on them and remain in sin, God will punish you. And you might think it's cute right now. You might think it's cool right now to live in sin. It's nothing cool about hell. And you probably can witness yesterday was 106 degrees. And that's not even nothing that can compare to eternal judgment forever away from a holy, righteous God. And I'm going to say away, even in hell, God, judgment is still going to be there. And God is going to be there judging all the sin that wasn't laid on his son. So for those in here that I've heard from many people around you and from family and from friends to turn and repent his family, it's going to be one day you're not going to hear this message anymore. And by you hearing it today, it's God's grace. God giving you grace to hear it again and again and again. So family, turn to Christ today. Turn to Christ today. This past couple weeks when people got killed in Palm Bluff, they didn't know they was going to die that day. They didn't know that that was going to be their last day. Family, we don't know when it's going to be our last day. So family, listen to these words. Listen to these words. Turn to Jesus today. Turn from your sin and run to a Savior. Run to him. Run to him. And our God is mighty to save. He's mighty to save. And we know that we can't run to him in our own works. And the words of Paul Washer cry out to him every day, every day, every day. Cry out, cry out, cry out till he saved you. Continue crying and weeping till he saved you. Cry out to him. And I pray our God save you this day. Amen, amen. Let me pray for us.